wall, the, the Iron Curtain, what, what was that? When that all just came down, you know, that was amazing. You know, praise God. But you know, the saints of God, the people of God had prayed that very thing. I know Rama, they have prayer school every afternoon, Monday through Friday, I think at one, isn't it? Or something. And then healing schools at two. But they have a prayer school every afternoon at one o'clock. And one of the things that they prayed throughout the 80s was they prayed that wall down. You know, and I, I, I can't say I had anything to do with it except maybe praying in tongues because it just never occurred to me. But it had occurred to somebody. Somebody got inspiration from the Holy Ghost, and I'm sure all over the earth. Hallelujah. That, and, and praise God. So something amazing happened. It was, it was an amazing thing. And it changed the earth. It changed the... It ch I know it changed Russia. Because we went to Russia right after the wall came down. And I've heard reports of people that were there before. And, uh, you know, KGB chasing them through the streets. And I don't know, all sorts of stuff. And we went and it was pretty easy. Hallelujah. And uh, in, 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 in now... Uh, you know, we were talking with Pastor Avery today about Russia, and he was talking about shopping malls. And I'm going, there are shopping malls in Russia? Because I'm telling you, there was nothing like a shopping mall when we were there in 93. And he said, yeah, big malls, owned by foreign countries mostly, but big shopping malls. And, and you know, and I'm like, wow. And, you know, all that, amazing things. And so there's amazing things going to happen in the earth, and we don't. And I believe in God that, the, especially for the things that concern me, the things I need to know. I don't have to know everything, and you don't have to know everything. But the things we need to know, the Bible says He shows us things to come that we would be readily prepared for the future. But we need to use our faith to know those things. Amen. And he needs to show us things to come concerning our children and concerning, you know, you need to know things concerning finances. Praise God. Hallelujah. So um, this is going to be an amazing year. And the earth is, uh, there's lots of stuff going on. Uh, so uh, the Lord gave me a message about two weeks ago, and it just came up today. I didn't know I was going to preach tonight, but it just came up today Well, that it was time to do this. But about two weeks ago, and just in praying one morning and sitting there just meditating, I just got this message, what to do in an emergency. And so, uh, hallelujah. And you know, there's all kinds of emergencies. So I don't want to put any fear in anybody tonight. I mean, we could have a national, national emergency, hallelujah, and need to know what to do. In the spiritual sense, I'm talking about what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to have like you have a flashlight. And, you know, if the, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost tell you about any flashlights or things like that that you need to get. Put water aside. And I'm not going to tell you about those kind of things. I'm talking about spiritually how to be, what to do in an emergency. But then there's all levels of emergency. I know we've had some emergencies in our family. I know when Colin was little, we had to have him sewed up a couple of times. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, had little minor emergencies where he would, uh, de he de kneecapped himself nearly one time, you know, and, uh, and did just different, you know, gross things, yeah. Uh, just really, <laughs> and took a utility knife one time and 
came right through there with it and um, hallelujah. And then we had broken, we had a broken bone one time and, and we've had some little emergencies uh, like that. Uh, we've had little emergencies at the church. And so what to do in an emergency? Well, no matter what kind of emergency it is, if it's a minor emergency, hallelujah, for it's a, or if it's a big national emergency, if it's something just for your family. And the number one thing the Holy Ghost told me is that we need to be prepared ahead of time. Well, the best thing we can do for any kind of emergency, national or otherwise, is to be pre a prepared people. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to be prepared. What you, what, being prepared uh, ahead of time, you can actually stop a lot of emergencies. Amen. And so we'll talk about that for a little while. In fact, we'll talk about that more than we talk about the other things. Um, the one, you know, I, so I've, I think I've shared this before. I think I shared it recently. My little grandmother used to talk about being prayed up. You know, one of the best things you can do to, to be prepared all the time is to be prayed up. Not going three and four days without praying, but every day being prayed up, being ready. You know, you're, the emergency you confront may not be your emergency. It may be a wreck you see on the highway. Amen? You know, we're going to have Mary Fran Varallo, uh in the end of uh, March. And uh, one of the testimonies she gives is about this horrible, horrible wreck in... Uh, uh, Nashville where she lives and uh, she's driving down the road and they had and there's this horrible horrible wreck and there's this young man and I think he was pushed all the way into the back seat and he is bleeding and he is I mean it's just horrible and the Holy Ghost said to her go get in the car with him and here so here she goes she was on her way to the beauty shop and she crawls in the back seat and this young man is dying and she leads him to the Lord right there before he dies and he dies. I mean, she leads him to the Lord. He steps into eternity. Amen. And that's one of the testimonies she gives. That kind of gives you goosebumps, don't it? And so those are kind of emergencies that we can be prepared for. You know, it may not always be our emergency. I know one time we were having a church cleaning day in Seminole and we heard screeching brakes because we were on Main Street and we went out there and one of the ladies that attended our church had a big wreck right in front of the church. And we went out there, and while everybody's come, you know, you don't even think about who's standing around. We were just praying in tongues. We didn't think about, are they going to like this? Are they going to, you know, hallelujah. And so, uh, the, so sometimes we're confronted with emergencies that aren't ours, but we have to, you know, and, and you know, God has us in the right place at the right time to help people. And I'm always kind of aware of that, that when somebody makes a transition, even in jobs, that a lot of times God's sending us there to, to pluck the harvest. Somebody there is going to go to hell or something, and we got to go there, you know. And, you know, sometimes we think every change we make is all about us, but a lot of times it doesn't really have, a, it doesn't have that much to do for us. God could give you a job anywhere. He could cause you to earn a living anywhere. But sometimes he sends you to a place for a person. Amen. Sometimes many people, but sometimes just one person. You think, why in the world did I work, you know, why in the world am I working at Hampton Inn? Well, hey, you know, sometimes he has, a, he, has, he has one person. And sometimes you don't even see the harvest of it, but you planted a seed that later is going to come up. Amen. 
And so we're confronted with emergencies. I know, uh, uh, you know, speaking of hotels, this made me think. My, my ki our kids say that we always have a hotel story no matter where we go. We all, they, I mean, no matter where we go and stay. I mean, we can stay at the beach club, which is pretty nice in Gulf Shores, and they will get a jackhammer out above us and drill. One day they actually got a jackhammer and was drilling in the floor in our condo and we're like we're here to rest so they change you know but we always believe god and so they moved us to a whole different set of condominiums and upgraded us to this really fancy condo you know for this price that we paid for this little one bedroom we got two bedrooms and plush and all that kind of stuff and so you know it always turns for our good but one emergency we had in a hotel was in foley alabama one time we went down there with some friends of ours we were going to preach over in uh, mobile at daphne actually was it daphne is that the name of the town no tillman's corner that daphne's in another town we was going to print a tillman's corner right there at Mobile was going to preach the next night. So we was going to shop a little at the factory outlet mall. And so we stayed at this hotel in, in Foley and somebody started like at 12 o'clock that night started trying to get in our room with the little key, which we had left in the door. It was our key they were trying to use to get in our room, you know. And we waited 45 minutes on the Foley police to arrive. And it was kind of an emergency. I mean, it was pretty nerve wracking for somebody to be, and the only thing that's keeping them out is the little chain, you know? Well, actually the, oh, I don't know, but it was nerve wracking <laughs> anyway. So, but you know, what do you do in an emergency? And so one of the best things we can do is be prepared. We can be prayed up. If turn over to Ephesians 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It seems warm in here to me, but maybe I'm just getting stirred up. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So when we pray, we're supposed to be watching. Now he's not talking about, you know, we, we jokingly say sometimes, watch and pray. And you know, you know, sometimes when we pray, we do watch. And just, but he's not really talking about, you know, while you pray, look out the window. He's talking about watching in the Spirit. Watch and pray. And so that's part of being prepared is praying and watching ahead of time and uh, praying things out in advance. You can pray out the, the emergencies in advance in your life. You can pray out the things. And you know you can even stop some of them. You know the prophets will prophesy sometimes bad things are going to happen. That, you know I know uh, there's been several prophets some of them we well trusted by us that have talked about nuclear a nuclear attack bunches of them have talked about a nuclear attack that, and, and you know even the news media will say it's not it's not it's not if it's when you know and and uh, i know pat robertson this year he talked about that this year would be like joseph where he had seven good years and seven fat years and seven lean years. There were seven good years and then seven bad years. That not, not 2007, the first half would be good. The last half would be, there would be bad things. And he was speaking like world, like in world events. He was more than he was like in your life. But world events, there would be some bad things in the last half of the year. But all the prophets uh, have prophesied some of these things. And, 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 and when the prophets prophesy them, sometimes they don't come to pass. And we go, oh, I don't know if they were really a prophet. But what happens is when a prophet prophesies something, if the body of Christ rises up in prayer, sometimes we can stop it. Sometimes we can stop it, but sometimes we can't stop it. 
But one thing like Brother Copeland said, and I like this, he said, you can always stop it in your life. But you can't always stop it, you know, for the world. But you can always stop it in your life. And that's a part of being prayed up and being prepared and watching and praying and listening when you're praying. And, you know, we just can't jump up out of the bed every morning and head to work because we have to listen to the Holy Ghost every day. Because there's things to be avoided. Amen. And the Lord speaks to us and ta- tells us what to do and different routes to take. And, uh, and you know, and, 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 and if we're listening to the Holy Ghost, he's even, he's even teaching us, and especially if we're asking him to, because I want him to teach me better to hear him better. And I want him to teach me uh, to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And I've been praying that since 1980. When we got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1980, I wanted to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I wanted to know how to hear Him. And so I said, Lord, teach me. And He's in a process of teaching me. And I'm not perfect at it, and neither are you. And we're all in progress. But uh, one thing for sure, we need to be always practicing. And, 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 getting, and, and there's things to do to practice and so forth. So we, stay, we need to stay prayed up. Amen. That doesn't mean, that means prayed until you, you know you're released. You know, you're, I, okay, I got it done. At least I got it done for today. I've got it taken care of. And then filled up. Ephesians 5.18, if you turn back a chapter. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, that really, if you look at that in the Greek, it's be continually being filled. You know, being filled with the Spirit wasn't getting baptized in the Spirit one time like 1958, spoke in tongues once and hadn't spoken in tongues since. And that's a lot of what you find in Pentecostal churches. And I'm not, you know, putting them down, but a lot of times you'll find that's the, that, and they, and a lot of Pentecostal churches teach and believe, which is totally wrong, that, you know, you only speak in tongues when you, when the Holy Ghost really comes on you and you have a real, you get real, 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 real excited, then you might just, just bust out in tongues, you know. But no, we have a prayer language that we're supposed to be, you know, and we're supposed to be building ourselves up on our most holy faith. And, and it's an awesome tool if you'll use it. But if you just let it lay dormant, well, you can even lose it. Not that God takes it away from you, but you just get out of practice. Just like, you know, uh, you can, you may used to have been a ballet, but if you hadn't been on your toes in a while, you know, how many of you think you'd be real good at it? No, I don't think so either. Hallelujah. So being, so be filled up. The fuller we are, the, the more we're going to be able to hear God and, and recognize what's God and what's not. Know the doors. You know, just knowing our Father makes us recognize doors knowing the word because if something don't line up to the word it doesn't matter how good it looks or how uh you know how much we want it if it doesn't line up to the word it's not god amen and i've i've proved and you've shoot i know you've proved i've proved in my life that you know you when it's not god you can't make it god no matter how you try and, you know, I've said, I've, I've said, yeah, but maybe just this once. God, you know, I've tried to, I, I've seen where it didn't line up to the word, but yet still tried to justify it, and, you know, because I wanted to do something. Amen. Okay, and then confessed up. 
There's something we need to be confessed up. Romans, turn over to Romans 10, 10. You know, I'm, when I say confessed up, you may think I'm talking about, uh, uh, and I'm talking about this two ways. Certainly, we need to keep all the sin, we need to keep all sin under the blood. You know what I'm saying? If you know there's sin in your life, you need to confess. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we need to, to holy, daily, Pastor talking about daily, and manna daily, daily we need to listen to the Holy Ghost and let Him show us, amen, uh, if there's anything we need to confess, is there anything we need to get right? Uh, husbands and wives, we don't need to have sin in our marriage where where we've been where we've had a fight and and we've had strife and yet we just walk off and didn't deal with it and a lot of people are non-confrontational they just want to slip it slip it under the rug but you know we need to the Bible says for a man that his prayers will be hindered if he don't have it right with his wife and that is that correct. And so he 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 has he has to get it right and she has to get it right and and uh, I know there's been times in our marriage where we did a lot of repenting and you you know there's been times when there was a lot of when there's a lot of when you're in a lot of stress a lot of times there's a lot of conflict or if there's a lot of uh, uh, pressure if there's a lot of pressure and then there's been times I said you know when the kids moved out we quit fighting <laughs> have strife. Well, and I don't mean that in a bad sense, but I'm just saying it just really two two sources of pressure and stress left. <laughs> Hallelujah. And not the not that they were a lot. I'm just saying, but especially, you know, you got little kids and they're bouncing off the wall. It can create some stress in the house. You know, and Pastor and I, I never could figure this out because we'd get in the car to go somewhere. And we and at that time, we had that little Cavalier. That thing is little, you know. And uh, those kids would be in the back seat, and we would have a fight everywhere we went. We'd get in strife. Every, we could go to Lubbock to shop and get in strife on the way and have a fight. And hadn't fought in two weeks and get in that car. Well, but, you know, I was thinking about that car the other day. They was in the back seat. And that thing would just be rocking. And you know, of course, we and I like quiet. I'm an only child. I like it quiet. I still like it quiet. Now, I'm used to quiet. I didn't grow up with any noise, folks. And <laughs> I stayed home by myself. My parents went to work, and I was home by myself most of my life. I liked it quiet. And um, and so we'd be like, y'all be quiet back there. They'd be quiet, and that thing would still be rocking. And I'm like, I asked them the other day, how did y'all make that Cavalier rock? And not ever say a word, and they were, you know, but they were jabbing at each other, and you know how boys do, and picking on each other. I know the cash boys never did that, but hallelujah. No, 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 no. But, uh, and I know the again, boys never do that. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I mean, that little cow, and then, and it's like, and before we get to Lubbock, we'd just be. But there was a lot of there was a lot of stress in that car. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of, uh, um, you know, and you get cooped up in a small place together. And so, uh, so we got to keep it. We got to keep it clean. Keep it. Keep it confessed out. Keep it washed out because we're staying confessed up. Romans ten ten. And you know, I know y'all may not have the same things. Uh, we face the same things we do, but. Um, Hallelujah. Whatever it is, we all face things. 
It's in, in Romans 10, 10. Look at this. Just look at, it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. Now I want us to think about confession in a different way. Besides just confessing sin, we need to stay confessed up. That means we've got to, we need to confess the Word of God towards salvation. If we want God to save us from things, to deliver us from things, confession is made unto salvation. What you're saying and what you're confessing is going to determine on what God can deliver you from, what God can save you from, what God can... Because confession is made unto salvation. We could apply that verse in that way as well as to redemption. It's not just talking about redemption, but it's talking about salvation, which is sozo, which is to be delivered, to be healed, to, you know. And, and so when it comes to what to do in an emergency and being prepared, what we've confessed ahead of time is going to determine what God can uh, deliver us from. Hallelujah. And then if you look over to back this up a little bit, what I'm saying here into 2 Peter 1.4. He clearly tells us a big, big clue to walking in safety and to walking in uh, uh, the promises of God in 2 Peter 1.4. It says in 2 Peter 1.4, are you there? I'll wait till I don't hear pages rattling. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That word corruption could also be destruction. So there's destruction that's in the world because of lust or because of sin that's just out there, and we escape it by what? By the promises. By our confession of the promises. By our speaking the promises. That's how we escape the bad things that are in the earth. By we get up in the morning and we confess some things. We, we confess some things over our children. We confess some things over, uh, uh, over our church. We confess things over our husband. We confess things over our wife. I know I confess over uh, Colin and Eric, and I confess, I confess things over Pastor, but Colin and Eric, I confess over them Psalm 112. I confess that over them. They're my grown sons. Now, I didn't use those scriptures when they were little. I have a book in the bookstore called Victorious Children that says everything I confessed over my children the whole time they were growing up. But now that they're grown, I confess 100, Psalm 112 over them. Over, over Anita and Chris, I confess Proverbs 31 over them. Amen. Uh, over pastor, I confess, and you can use some of these scriptures, some of them you may like for your situation. I confess Psalm 189. Uh, no, no, Psalm 89. <laughs> There's no Psalm 189. Psalm 89. I confess Psalm 112 sometimes, and I confess um, uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 11, part of it. Uh, and over me, he, I don't know what he confesses over me, but I know he, one thing is Proverbs 31. Hallelujah. And then anything else the Holy Spirit gives you particularly and personally for your life and for your children and things you're supposed to uh, confess over yourself. If you have a particular area that you need help in, you find a scripture. You confess it. But then there's general things that we confess. I, I confess not every day, but, uh, but on a uh, nearly... Uh, everyday basis, Psalm 91, over our lives. Amen.
Not every day do I do that, but I do nearly every day. I have a little book called by Gloria Copeland called God's Prescription for Divine Health that has some healing scriptures in it. And I, about every other day, I read those healing scriptures. And the, and, and, and the other day that I don't read those, I read my Charles Capps Confession on healing. And I make those confessions over myself. Why? Because confession is made unto salvation. Amen. And it stirs my faith up. And it's important that I stay in faith. It stirs my faith up and it gives God something to work with in my life. You know, the Bible says he hastens over his word to perform it, not your prayers. And if you're just praying, God help me, God heal me, God deliver me, God watch over me, then you're not giving him anything to do. Because he doesn't hasten over your prayers, he hastens over his word. One time the Lord told me when I was very young in this that I hadn't put enough word out for him to perform anything. And kind of got on to me in that. And you know, you don't have to have a book in your hand. Eventually you'll get these things in your heart and you can just say them, some of them. But I always like to go back to the book even though I've got them memorized. But some of them memorized. And I, but even then, now I will continue to confess as I'm going down the road and so forth. Speaking the word of God. So, uh, confessed up. Now, on, to be prepared ahead of time. Because we're talking about what to do in an emergency. To be prepared ahead of time. I can tell this is going to take a while. We need to take refuge. And turn to Psalm 91. We just talked about that. You have to take refuge under Psalm 91. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist here to look around and see all the Christians in Tuscaloosa County that run into destruction. That Psalm 91 is not working in their lives. Well, why is it? Because they're saved and we know they're saved and they love God and we know they love God and they even go to church and they're faithful and some of them are even more faithful than us and um, they give and they uh, serve and, and witness and evangelize and they do all the right things but... That's not taking refuge in God's Word. All of those things are not. And so sometimes you can take somebody that's releasing faith in God's Word, but maybe is not as faithful at going to church, and they're going to be more protected if they're really in faith. And one thing that going to church does is give us faith unless it's a church that strips you of faith. And I, there's some of those out there I've heard. I, I don't get to visit other churches, but I've heard that that could happen. I know one person told me about a church one time. They said, you go and the music is awesome and they build you up and your faith is like at the top of the ceiling. And then when they preach, they strip every bit of it out from underneath you. All the songs that are, are faith songs, but, and you know, so when we're not condemning anything, but that's what church is supposed to do is lift your faith up. Amen. Build your faith. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So you have to take refuge under Psalm 91. I heard Miss Gloria the other day say, every day she takes refuge in Psalm 91. Every day. And then recently they were in that earthquake in, in Hawaii. And she gave the testimony how they just, walked, they just walked right through it. I mean, just they were out of that country before everybody else had figured out hardly there had been an earthquake. That country, that state. It's kind of like another country, isn't it? Anyway, I don't know. I've never been there, but um, anyway. <laughs> so Psalm 91, are you there? 
uh, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, dwelleth means to go somewhere and stay a while. And so we dwell there in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lodge, that's what my margin says. And how do we get there? How do we get in the secret place? Well, you know, there's a lot of factors. But mainly, number two, verse two, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. We need to say this. Say, I say of the Lord. I say of the Lord. He is my refuge. I will say that in the morning. I'll say, God, I say of you, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You know, you take these scriptures and you don't just read them, but you make them personal to you. It, you it's not you have to... You have to say of the Lord, Lord, you are my refuge. You are releasing faith. You're saying it. You're giving God something to work with. You are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God. I acknowledge you as God. And you are my God. And in you, I put my trust today. And Father, I thank you. And you just go on. That, that you deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And from the noisome pestilence. Lord, I give you thanks that you cover me with your feathers and under your wings I trust. Your truth is my shield and buckler today. Now you can't confess this and live an alternative lifestyle and this stuff work. You know what I'm saying? You have to line yourself up right. to this word. But if you're living a righteous life, well then you need to release your faith in God's word. Amen. And, and then you say of yourself in verse 5, I am not afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, or for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, or the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side today, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Amen. Only with my eyes will I behold and see the reward of the wicked. And you know, going on to believe God, Lord, our steps are ordered by the Lord. I'm at the right place at the right time. In other words, I'm not there too soon. I'm not there too late. Last yesterday, I mean, on the, we were coming on the interstate from Birmingham. There was a, somebody flipped over in the ditch and the police, had, I mean, they were so close to being right ahead of us that the police there was no police there there was no ambulances there in fact the traffic had not even bogged down on the interstate yet we got through but if we'd been you know two minutes earlier probably but no i'm at the right place at the right time i'm releasing my faith to do that hallelujah amen hallelujah praise god thank you jesus and even if i make a mistake in driving god's working it out ahead of time because, you know, I'm trying to drive safely. I'm a, I consider myself a very defensive driver. Maybe too defensive. Because I always assume you're not going to do the right thing. <laughs> Pastor, he drives other... He always assumes you're going to stay in your lane. He does, but I always assume you're not. So I'm just kind of always just kind of... <laughs> you know? And if they just kind of start thinking they're going to drift over there, I'm like applying brakes and honking and you know <laughs> I want you to stay in your lane amen and so I'm I, I, but and so I'm not and I'm not and I but I've never had a wreck and and I don't have any tickets since about 1970 something 
And so I'm not, I'm not a horrible driver, but I know I'm not the greatest driver, but I'm believing God to protect me, not based on my great skills. That's right. Amen. And, uh, see, you know, one of the things that's wrong, and the reason I'm that way is because I grew up in a town with one flashing caution light. And then we, he moved me to a town that had three red lights. And so <laughs> there's just a lot going on that's not going on in Seagraves, Texas. You know, and so uh, if you grew up in the traffic, you know, and I, I'll just tell you honestly, I just can't do Atlanta. There's, I can't hardly, I mean, there's just more going on than I can, I can't process all that at one time. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, uh, but I am very good at reading a map and saying, now the next exit. So that's my job in the car. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, so I'm not trusting in me. Too many people, even in the body of Christ, are trusting in themselves. We need to tell him, we can't do this. We got to have you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, uh only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because I make the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, my habitation. I'm doing everything I can to stay in Him. You know what I'm saying? To stay connected. There shall no evil befall me. See, we're making this personal. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. And you know when a plague starts trying to come nigh your dwelling, like flu or symptoms of any kind, you need to rise up and say, no, there's no plague come nigh in my dwelling. This is a plague. Amen. Instead of just saying, you know, and just saying, well, I got it. Amen. He gives his angels charge over me. Thank you, Lord, for the angels that you give over us. They keep me in all my ways. They bear me up in their hands. I do not dash my foot against a stone. I tread upon the lion and the adder. That's the devil and demons. The young lion and the dragon, I trample under my feet. Hallelujah. We just roll over the devil. Because, he, I, because I set my love upon you, Lord, and I tell him, I set my love upon you. I love you, God. And because I set my love upon you, you know there's a reward for loving him. Therefore, you deliver me. I'm counting on you to deliver me. You set me on high because I know your name. I know the name of Jesus. I know the power of the name of Jesus. I know I've got faith that the name of Jesus, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Verse 15, I call upon you and you answer me. I, I, I mean, a lot of Christians don't really believe God answers when they pray. But I no, that's not what I'm saying. Even if I've messed up and I didn't hear and I missed it, I'm still saying I hear the voice of the good shepherd. You know, hallelujah. And most of the time I did hear, if I'd have listened... And I knew I heard, but, you know, Reese, the other day, Pastor, I said, you know, I knew that in my heart, but I just went past it. I knew that already. It, you know, I had that. I picked up on it. And you are too, all the time. You're picking up on stuff. And, you know, sometimes I run past it. Sometimes you run past it, but I'm repenting. And, and even that's helping me to learn to know it better next time. Isn't that right? Uh, you are with me in trouble. 
you deliver me and you honor me. And with long life, you satisfy me and show me your salvation. With long, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If, a, if, a, if, if, you know, if I drive by a cemetery, I'll say, thank you, Lord, you satisfy me with long life. Amen. I'll live and not die and declare the illustrious acts of the Lord. That's, I'm always saying something like that. And you know, you say, well, why are you always saying it? Well, you've got to constantly be counteracting all this stuff that's coming against us. Amen. Because it's like death is just always wanting to show its face at you. And, and uh, hallelujah. You know, it's just, it's like it's always, you can't watch the evening news. The evening news is just one solid prescription advertisement for uh, all sorts of ever kind of sleeping and cholesterol and, and stuff that you don't even know what it's for. You know, I'm like, I told Pastor, all the senior citizens must be the only ones, that, and I'm not, I'm there, so I'm not being critical, but we must be the only ones in town watching the news at 6 o'clock because it's just one big prescription advertisement for all the things that ail senior citizens. Nobody else is watching the news. The young folks aren't watching it then. So they show their advertisements at 11 when we're all in bed. <laughs> That's what I figure. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so we take refuge. You know, we need to with not not just accidentally hoping God's protecting us, but by an act of determined faith, take refuge. I take refuge today, Lord, under your word. I take refuge under your blood. Inviting the Holy Spirit. I, you know, we need to do this regularly. Holy Ghost, if I'm missing it in any area, if I'm wrong in any area, correct me. I open my heart to you. I'm teachable, Lord. Don't let me mess up. Have somebody correct me. Because you know you can be sitting there wide open to the devil. And you, and, and you, don't, you aren't picking up on it. You're not even seeing it. You can get, uh, you know, and, and so you, it's not always pleasant to be corrected, but it always is life-saving. Isn't that right? It's going to help us if, we, if somebody corrects us or, or says something to us. Uh, praise God. Then, um, we'll just keep going until we run out of time. As far as being prepared, we got to secure our armor, which is in Ephesians chapter 6. What to do in an emergency. The best thing we can do is be prepared. Hallelujah. And when we're prepared... Nothing much ever happens. We just don't even have those emergencies. But if we ever did have one, we'd have it all taken care of. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Secure your armor. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. And says, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 10 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're not strong in ourselves, but we're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And how do we do that? Well, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Every problem you have is demonically originated. The, demon, the devil may be using a person, but it originated with a, with a, with a demon. Amen. And we're not to fight people. We're to take authority over demonic powers that, that even might be using people at the workplace. You're, you're fighting a, you cannot fight a, a, a spiritual battle with flesh and blood. And a lot of times people are like, well, my boss and he's this and he treats me this way. But what do we do? We take authority. In a, we, we use spiritual weapons. We take authority. We use prayer. We use even submission and a, a submission. I was reading a book today by John Bevere, which is a good example of this. And his little boy, Addison, who is nine years old, was going to a Christian school. And the teacher was persecuting. A good Christian school and the teacher's persecuting this kid. Everything that goes wrong in the classroom, she blames this child. And this kid's coming home every day crying. And, of course, it's breaking John and his wife's heart. You know, they're just holding him and sobbing every night because this teacher, two kids behind him are fighting, and they quit fighting. The teacher turns around and blames him. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been falsely accused before, and it's one of the most painful things uh, that you can go through. And so this went on for several weeks. And, but you know, and, and he, would, he would deny, he would tell the teacher, it wasn't me, it was them. But you know, that's using natural weapons. And the teacher, it just wasn't working. It was not working. And so, of course, John and his wife are praying. And they're seeking God about what to do about this. And they said they thought about going up and challenging the teacher themselves. But they just had a check in their heart not to do that. You know, sometimes PT, uh, you know, parents can make things worse instead of better. And we're supposed to be spiritual, so we're supposed to find out the Holy Ghost solution. And so one day it occurred to John that this, that this child was resisting that teacher's authority, even in resisting that it wasn't him. And he said, you know, Addison, you need to go to the teacher this is what the Lord showed me, and, uh, and, re and apologize and repent for resisting his authority. And the Lord said, and, and Addison said, but Dad, I didn't, I'm not doing it. I didn't do it. And he said, I know you're not, son, but do you want to solve this? And he said, yes. He said, well, we need to do it God's way. And so the next day, he, the, the little child, nine years old, asked the teacher if he could talk to him. And he went to the teacher and he just said, I just want to apologize to you for resisting your authority. And said the teacher was just blown away. And that six weeks, that kid got the award for the most best child or something, most improved child from that teacher. That year, he got the big award from the whole class. Hallelujah. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And we have to use spiritual weapons to solve our problems. And a lot of times we won't get in the flesh and use it. We want to, you know, and, you know, we want so and we try to we try to solve it or we try to make the government solve it or a lawyer solve it or instead of finding the solution in God to to the problem. Amen. 
So it worked out real good, didn't it? <laughs> Amen. So we, we, it, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, there's going to be an evil day. In all of our lives, we get attacked. It may be from a boss. It may be being falsely accused. It, you know, it can be on many different levels, but we need to be able to withstand. And one of the ways we be able to withstand is that we have this armor on. He said, having your loins girt about with truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. That means when, when I, read, I re read about this, it's like, you're, you're completely surrounded with truth. And that not only means that you've spoken the word and gotten a, you've gotten surrounded by truth, but that you are esteeming and dealing truly in every area of your life. You know, you're not going to be able to resist the devil if you're believing a lie and living a lie. In any area of your life, it, you know, and so we have to, we have to be really lovers of truth. I, you know, even between husbands and wives, being willing to know the truth. Sometimes we will know I'm right. And he says, no, I'm right. But usually there's just one person right, or sometimes there's neither one right. But do we want to know the truth? And so, just really wanting girt, my, girt, my loins girt about with truth. You know, it's just like I'm dealing truly in every area of my life. I'm not going to deal not truly on, a, on the grocery store bill when they give me too much change. I'm not going to, I'm dealing truly. I'm completely sold out to truth. Not only the truth of God's Word, but just not wanting anything that's a lie in my life. Amen? Hallelujah. And so, uh, truth is important, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Securing uh, your armor, making sure you have on the, the belt of truth, the loins girt about with truth. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, if you're blaming somebody else for everything, you're not really dealing with truth in, in your life. Being truthful to others and being truthful with others and hallelujah. Then on, he goes on and he says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. This is our covenant. Knowing our covenant. Because the covenant, in the covenant of God, we've been made righteous. He said, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is knowing you're righteous, being secure in righteousness, being convinced of your right standing with God. You know, we're not going to be really walking in full protection if we really don't know if we're right with God. We haven't gotten the revelation yet. No, I'm righteous. And even when I mess up, I'm still righteous. If I mess up and I don't know I've messed up, I'm still righteous. If I've sinned and I didn't even know I sinned, I'm still righteous. Amen? And so this righteousness has to be settled in us. 
And when you're righteous, you're not having a pity party saying, oh, I'm just awful, I'm just horrible, I'm just, you know. No, that's you're living under a condemnation. You're not living under righteousness. And you don't have that breastplate of righteousness on. Because when you're righteous, it makes you when, you, when you're righteous and you know you're righteous, it makes you bold. Now, every Christian's righteous, even if they don't know they're righteous. But if you won't live the same if you don't know you are. You won't be the same bold if you don't know you are. And so in this church, you're taught a lot, because that's one of pastor's favorite subjects, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And when we teach, we don't endeavor to put you under condemnation. We do endeavor to tell you the truth, and it may convict you. It may step, don't step on your toes, but we don't try to condemn you. And, uh, and, and uh, we try to stay out from underneath condemnation ourselves. And so we have to have this right standing with God secure, you know, to the point where we don't even waver on it. You know, James in chapter 1, it says nothing wavering. When you ask for wisdom, nothing wavering. Well, knowing your righteousness needs to be nothing wavering too. You're not wavering one day. You're not basing it on feelings. Man, I just feel, oh God, I feel filthy. I feel dirty. Well, we all feel filthy and dirty sometimes. We mess up. We watch something we shouldn't have watched on TV. You know, Pastor and I started watching a movie the other night, and it was going real good. It was fine. It was clean. And all of a sudden, it just took a twist, and it was not, it wasn't like uh, dirty, but it was, uh, what was it? It was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it, it was twisted. It was mind stuff. You know, you thought, you thought it was just a normal movie, and then you found out that everything that was, that they were, you, you, do you know what I'm saying? How does that yeah, it was like that. That it wasn't what they said it was, you know. It was an illusion, and it'd be like, man, I don't like to mind stuff. Don't mess with my mind. And well, we got out of that thing. But that stuff can make you feel. We got out of that thing. We aborted that thing. We shut that thing down. But it made us feel for a minute. It makes you feel like, ooh, 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 ooh. You know, we've touched the unclean thing. Maybe you see something on TV and, or, or just a, 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 you can just walk down the street and somebody, you know, or you can just be watching the Super Bowl and somebody can flash something and it's like, oh, phew, something's unclean. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I saw something I didn't want to see. But we're, we're, we're not under condemnation about that. Amen? Amen. So we have a breastplate of righteousness. We keep that thing secure. And one of the ways we keep it secure is by repenting if we do, if, if anything, if we don't, if we do something, because he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Amen. Y'all believe all that? Well, we don't have time to finish, but next week we will. We're going to continue this. This is a little series. It's turned it out. I kind of figured that out before I got here tonight that we weren't going to get much past that. Hallelujah. So let's stand up together tonight and uh, let's have a word of prayer.